Hello and welcome to Big Ideas, a podcast from Texas State University. I'm your host, Dan Seed, from the School of Journalism and Mass Communication. This month, we're joined by Dr. Allison Collins and Dr. Stephen Chulo, both from the Department of Curriculum and Instruction in the College of Education. Both Dr. Collins and Dr. Chulo specialize in special education, and they are here to discuss a grant project they received that focuses on providing professional development to general and special education teachers working with third and fourth graders. Thank you both so much for being here. Thank you for having us. Glad to be here. And so how did each of you come to studying and researching special education? Dr. Collins, we'll start with you. So I think both of us will probably say we started out as teachers ourselves. I actually started out on a general education side where I was the primary teacher of a kindergarten classroom that had several students with disabilities and partnered a lot with my colleagues that were in special education. And at some point I moved over to be a reading intervention specialist and helping students that were maybe needed some additional support in learning to read and write. And I think the writing piece came and as I was teaching, I realized I had a a wide range of resources in reading. I had very few when I had a student struggling in writing. I had very few resources to access and to use to support them. And so that's where I think the research on the writing realm came for me. And Dr. Chulo? (laughs) Yeah, my background is also in public education. So I was a special education teacher. I was initially dually certified. So when I graduated from my undergraduate, I was able to teach either elementary education or special education. And the jobs were in special education. And I also student taught there and just kind of fell in love with the field of special education. And my experience was similar to Allison's as well in terms of professional development. So most school districts, when you get a new job, take you through a lot of different professional development activities and give you resources and workshops. And as Allison mentioned, uh, you know, we taught in different places, different states actually, but reading materials were a lot more common and a lot more accessible with uh, the school I worked at. But a lot of my students that I taught, I was teaching fourth, fifth, and sixth grade special education. And a lot of these students did have needs in terms of how to become better writers, how to organize their thinking, and how to put ideas down on paper. I guess we had a curriculum, but I didn't have a lot of strategies at my disposal. And, you know, I didn't really know what the research said would be the best practices to use for moving these kids from point A to point point B with becoming the best writers they could. So that kind of motivated me. When I did my dissertation, I really was focused on reading comprehension and learning content, but I'm so fortunate that uh, Allison and I have been able to to go down this path with writing intervention and and support for teachers in the area of writing. And before we get into the, the project here that we're discussing, how important is it for both of you to have that background? Do you bring an additional kind of passion to a project like this, knowing that you've been on the ground, you've been in the classroom, and you've had these personal experiences that then maybe make you want to pay it forward in a sense and help others in this realm? I think my, I always say my passion is because I did, I taught on the general and special education side, trying to figure out how we can better bridge the communication and collaboration between those two groups of teachers is really where my passion is. And it's, It's exciting in that we have this opportunity to try. I think we've had a lot of teachers say, we never get to go to the same trainings. We never get to have time to plan together. And so 
being able to bring those two together from our experiences and, and help it, you know, share new ideas, I think is really exciting and helpful. Having a teaching background, I think in the area of educational research is really helpful because, you know, there, there's the curriculum and the strategies that teachers have to learn, but then, you know, every school has its own culture, its own way of doing things. And I think it, it also helps to have been in these teachers' shoes, just realizing how many different balls they have in the air at, at any given time and, and how much they have to juggle as teachers when you're dealing with curriculum, but also the social emotional side and everything else that goes around with it. So yeah, it, it, it helps me to sort of, um, I think, remember that, you know, everything we create or any training that we do, just to kind of remember that, that although what we're doing is important, we are just one of the many things on these teachers lists. So having that perspective has been helpful with connecting with the teachers, especially when they find out that we were former teachers. I think it, it helps sort of build that rapport a little bit stronger when you're doing any kind of school-based research project. And so Dr. Collins, if you could just give us a general overview over what we're talking about today, the work that you guys are doing. I touched on it a little bit, but you can get a little more specific, but give us an overview about what this project entails. There's quite a few moving parts. So I'll try to hit the highlight uh, or quite a few pieces to the project. So initially the project, the Institute of Education Sciences put forth a call a couple of years ago and we usually refer to Institute of Education Sciences as IES. They put out a call rather than their standard application for grant proposals where they were seeking projects that would specifically target areas that needed pandemic recovery, support, and particularly wanting projects that could quickly help teachers and students somewhat close the gaps or accelerate where the students are with some evidence behind it, you know, to, to trust that whatever we'd be using would hopefully work or we'd have expectations that it would be effective. But they wanted projects that could quickly be implemented within a six month period or a year's time in schools to get them kind of back on track in a sense. And it's interesting too, because this was funded I guess just this past summer in July, 2022 is when the project initially started. The proposal went in the year before in September, 2021. But I would say even the last few months, I've seen a lot of things rolling out of, of how large the gaps are and how much the pandemic school closures have impacted our students' progress. And I say that because we've actually started thinking about to beyond just the 2020 March to May school closures, if you think about it, the next year, so many students were virtual in different intermittent timeframes across the school year from 2020, fall 2020 to spring 2021. And so I think there's a, a several pieces there. So the target here is that we wanna be able to close and support students who potentially may have gaps from the pandemic and, and learning loss or school from school closures that we want to help close the writing you know achievement gap here so with this project we're targeting students with disabilities or students potentially at risk for disabilities or maybe show lower performance which may or may not be 
directly tied to the school closures, but it could potentially be. Um, and I say that too, because we're seeing larger numbers of students. So we screen the students at the beginning of the year on a writing fluency measure. And then what we're doing is we're providing professional development to teachers in an evidence-based practice called SRSD, it's self-regulated strategy development. And we selected SRSD because it, one, we had done a recent, or we had done a previous project in local schools with third grade teachers and it had worked really well. And Steve, I'll let you talk about the text-based writing in a minute. But we were targeting SRSD because it had a number of years of, ex of research to support that it's very effective, that it's an evidence-based practice in education. And so with that, we, we could quickly get it into schools, but what was novel and I think different is a lot of the research has always been either in general education or in special education. It actually started a lot in special education years ago with students with learning disabilities, but there's no studies to our knowledge that really had this collaborative element of looking at how gen ed and special ed work together. How can we use special education teachers maybe to enhance or enrich or intensify the instruction. So that was novel. And also thinking about the writing from text. So Steve, I guess I'll I'll let you talk a little bit about this piece about the writing from text and also how the landscape of Texas and STAR is changing currently. Yeah, absolutely. And Allison teed it up nicely. I mean, the if I remember correctly, the language on the request for applications from the Institute of Education Sciences was that you had to address a pandemic-related problem or issue. Like Allison was saying, that with all the disruptions to, to instruction, um, writing was definitely one of those areas that took a hit. So I think in terms of the integrated reading and writing part, one of the things that, that I think is really important on this project is that the way that state testing has typically happened in Texas and in a lot of states across the country is their students take these assessments every year starting in grade four. And usually there was like a reading test and then a separate writing test in grade four. But now there's this understanding that a lot of times in so many cases in life, students really need to be able to read things and then respond to it in writing. If you think about how that happens, you know, eventually when they go to college or even just communicating on social media, we read articles and then we comment on them. So we integrated social studies text, high interest social studies topics that go along with the grade level curriculum into this traditional writing intervention program. So what we really do is we're, as, as Allison mentioned, we're, we're working with the teachers on these strategies to help the students be able to read a passage of text and utilize that passage to write an organized paragraph about it. So that's just good for learning because students need to be able to do that in throughout the rest of their lives, but also it kind of addressed a school-based need too because teachers were put into the situation where now the, the STAR test, which is the state accountability test in Texas, has these two areas, reading and writing, integrated where, where before they were standalone assessments. So we're, we, we feel like you know, the timing was right because we're giving the students and the teachers strategies that they sort of, we, we feel are beneficial to their long-term trajectory as learners, but also that sort of addresses the, the realistic need that teachers have, which is, you know, to address the expectations for those state tests, which whether we like it or not is a reality of their jobs. 
And again, you're listening to Big Ideas with Dr. Allison Collins and Dr. Stephen Chulo. So you mentioned the pandemic. We can get deeper into the study, of course, here in a minute. But what challenges did the, the pandemic bring? What, what did it exacerbate with these particular students and with these particular teachers that maybe wasn't present before? How did that few months or that year or a couple of years lead to these gaps, these larger gaps? The first thing I think that comes to mind that we had a lot of conversations about as things were kind of unraveling were the shifts in typical and what typical instruction looked like and the modalities that students were learning in. We went from students typically being in a classroom with support with teachers there to help them to now they're at home with parents who may or may not have training and how to support them in different areas. They may or may not have access to the resources that they're being asked to do for whatever online virtual instruction was being provided. I think the context of how students were learning and what that setting looked like drastically changed. And I think with that change in the setting came also a big change in what instruction was looking like or what it looked like, what that instruction looked like, and also thinking about goal setting and pieces like that. But I think there's pieces or maybe things that I think that maybe we're seeing the results or maybe a little bit of the consequences of. If students were at home, let's say they were typing on the computer, they may not have been writing, they may not have been writing pen to paper or pencil to paper as they would in a typical traditional classroom. And now I think what we're seeing is we're seeing these gaps in that they, especially thinking our our project targets third and fourth grade students. So I keep thinking these are the students who were in kinder and first grade and those really foundational critical year or two, two years of establishing their early writing skills, even early reading skills. And now they're in a context where they're not receiving as intensive instruction as they typically would, or even explicit instruction or supports. And so I think that's one of the main things I always think of, and particularly for students with disabilities, they may have been receiving support services from a number of different school personnel. And now when the pandemic when everything's, when all the schools closed, now they're at home with no one. And we're trying to deliver these same instructional strategies over in a virtual world. And I think being in person, there's a very big difference in what that looks like and how that plays out. So I think particularly for the kids that struggled, it was a, a challenge to shift and figure out what that looks like and support them in the same way that we typically would. And Steve, I'm sure you've got parts that you would add to and extend on that. Well, I'll just I'll just reinforce what what you said. That you made a great point about how some of the so because we're working with third and fourth graders, some of the students, or or I should say, some of them, all the students in our studies were in that cohort where I guess they were in, probably in kindergarten or first grade when instruction first shifted to virtual. So earlier we talked about how the expectations in third and fourth grade are you know, to read longer passages and to write about them. And, and as Allison alluded to, um, you know, we're seeing this thing where teachers do have the expectation of getting the students to write things that are longer and more sophisticated. But if some of those kind of foundational skills and sentence writing skills that they typically would have been taught are, are missing or are still in need of 
some additional support that kind of complicates things for the teachers. So I, I think that's another thing that we're sort of running into and where we hope we can support these teachers in through this project in the next few years is, you know, how do we, how do we kind of catch them up with, with some of the things that they might've missed while also trying to strive for some of those longer term grade level expectations that the teachers are responsible for. So with this research, as it unfolds, is this something where the two of you are going to be on the ground in the classroom with teachers and observing and working with them? How, how does that work? I was Kelsey, actually going to talk about practice-based PD. <laughs> yeah, I will. Um, yeah. And I'll even start by saying uh, we are on the ground. Like as of August, we were working and training teachers from the beginning. I think one element of that maybe was different than traditional grant applications or calls from IES was, as I mentioned earlier, they really wanted projects that could really start immediately. They didn't want a lag. They didn't want a research to practice lag where there's all this investment in the research side of things where it wasn't gonna make it to schools. And so right. I actually was in a, in a school this morning observing and working with teachers and planning and talking about okay where are your students at let's talk about where we can go next and so maybe that's one of the things i was going to say too to extend when you asked earlier about what our passion is i think what we really want to do in this project is to help support the teachers i think they're they came back across everywhere everybody came back tired and overwhelmed from the pandemic and as Steve mentioned, teachers have a lot that they are asked. There's a lot of demands and responsibilities that they have. And so really one of our main goals is to be there for the teachers. So we, we train the teachers. We have a practice-based professional development model, which typically in professional developments or traditional professional developments, teachers would receive resources and then they'd be asked to go teach. And so what we do slightly differently is that we model the lessons for them so they get a more in-depth understanding of what should this look like when I get back to my classroom? How does this, how does this lesson, how do I implement it? What should I be telling my students? So they get to see firsthand, we take turns modeling that lessons for them and walking them through all the complicated stages of SRSD. So we do several days of professional development. At this point, we've done about two and a half days with teachers and local school districts, and they've been spread out starting from August, October, and then December. And we've done two and a half days of professional development. And then we have a team of instructional coaches. And our instructional coaches are former teachers or teachers with experience that have moved into different positions. Some of them have retired from the field and been teachers for many years. So they have similar, I think, backgrounds and also experiences where they can relate to where the teachers are and how to provide support for them. But the instructional coaches once a week watch the teachers teaching or watch the teachers implementing the lessons. They give them feedback and they also help them plan. So a big piece of the project is not just to give the schools and the teachers these resources, but to also help them and talk through and brainstorm and problem solve with them so that we can support the students. Like I think this morning I had the conversation at the end of the day, 
the research is important, but we want to help the teachers with where their students are. We want them to be able to see growth in their students. And that growth might look differently across the classrooms. And even within a classroom, it might look differently for individual students. But we are really on this project trying to be the frontline support of these teachers so that we can help them navigate this kind of path back from our path to, you know, closing and, and kind of, I guess some people have said path to recovery in a sense. So I'm curious because you, you mentioned something, Dr. Collins, about how, and we know this, that teachers are stretched thin. It's a big ask for people to take time out of their day to do stuff like this. But what has the response been so far from the teachers that you've worked with? The first thing I guess is important to, to say is that we're going to be doing this for the next few years too. So this is the first cohort. And then this is going to be scaled up and we're going to add more and more teachers as it comes through. Um, the, the teachers overall are very thankful to have writing strategies because as Allison and I mentioned before, there, there is sort of this acknowledgement that a lot of teacher preparation programs just don't have classes on how to teach writing to students. There's classes about how to teach math and how to teach reading. That is not always the case when it comes to writing instruction. So we, one of the comments that, that I think is encouraging that we do hear from the teachers that are participating is that it's nice to have a structure. It's nice to have strategies at their fingertips that is that are effective for, for teaching writing to students. I think it would be fair to say that that the realities of how difficult and tiring their jobs are do play a role. As I mentioned earlier, we're, we're just one other thing on their plate. So we, we do our best to be understanding of that and try to schedule things when it works for them. I, I'd say that over, overall, we have really good rapport, good relationships with the teachers. I think the only thing we wish we had more of, and they probably do too, is just more time for training because that professional development time where we can be with the teachers one-on-one -on -one and coach them and practice with them, it's limited because you know there's only so many days in the school year and the districts have their own initiatives too. So if I had a magic wand and I could add one other thing to the study, it would be wonderful if we could carve out a few more days of, of that private you know, coaching and one-on-one -on -one practice with the teachers. So I, I think time is always you know, a, a factor that we're pushing up against. But overall, I, I feel very positive about the relationships we have with the teachers. And the only other thing I'll say about that is that we, even though this is a quantitative study where we're measuring how they perform in, in writing, we, uh, we have focus groups that we're going to be doing with the teachers. So we're going to convene some focus groups at the end of the year and at different points of the year to try to get their ideas too. Because if there's things that, that we're doing that aren't really working for them or they think could be improved, we want to take that information that the teachers are giving us and work to refine the intervention for next year. So I think getting some of that, some of those honest opinions from the teachers and some of that user feedback is uh, gonna be helpful too, so that as Allison and I are revising this in the future, we're making sure we're being responsive to, to what the teachers say they need and what they're experiencing. And again, this is Big Ideas, and we're joined by Dr. Allison Collins and Dr. Stephen Chulo. Obviously, with this project ongoing, and it's going to be going on for a few years, I know I, I may be putting the cart before the horse here, but what outcomes are, are you each expecting to maybe change or tweak as a result of the research, or what impact do you see this having long-term on, on education and special education in, in particular? 
Well, there's a couple pieces, I think, there. What outcomes? I, th I think the first thing I would say, obviously, because we're focused on writing, we're hoping to improve more obvious, you know, just kind of obvious. We're hoping to improve students' writing and see growth in students' writing. I will say to the question earlier about feedback we've gotten from teachers, it has been teachers started the lessons, I guess, they started the lessons in late November. And over the probably the last few weeks, we started to see some progress where the teachers have maybe had district level benchmarks and come back to their coaches and said, my students can now go from reading the passage and they were able to plan and write an organized essay. And they're finally starting to see the growth. And so that's been exciting because beyond just the research, the teachers day to day are seeing changes in their students. And I think when the teachers see, they start to see a little bit of that light come on for the students and they start to see their progress, then the teachers also gain some enthusiasm around it. So I think ultimately we, we would like to support students so that they don't approach writing or feel frustrated by writing, that they have tools and they have strategies that they can use to be successful with writing. I think one more piece about the project that Steve mentioned earlier, there's a, several different layers on this project and a couple, as I mentioned, several different layers. Next year, we're this year we're doing in-person practice-based professional development. Next year, we expand the project in that we're adding an online professional development component so that we can compare how teachers and students respond to different types of professional development within the same writing intervention for SRSD. And I think the online element could be interesting because potentially the online platform provides a space where we can reach a, many more teachers and more students because the cost effectiveness or the resources that are involved in that particular approach for professional development is, is you can scale it up faster. So that part will be interesting, but I think at the at the same time, as we're exploring how online versus in-person professional development works, we're also trying to get a sense for how, as we mentioned, general and special education teachers work together and trying to somewhat problem solve a little bit and looking at different settings and what their schedules look like, what are the barriers, what are the things that actually the opposite, the other, the things that work well, and trying to unpack how maybe can we improve this communication and collaboration model. In fact, we were talking about it today of what are some things next year we could add to enhance so that when teachers feel a little bit stuck or not sure how to move forward, they have some resources and tools that can guide them. So I think that's another, I think it's two levels of ultimately we wanna change student writing outcomes to improve them, but we also wanna change how teachers are, are working together to, to, for that end goal and providing resources and support so that teachers can be successful to get there. So before we go, both of you did a really good job of describing what the project is, the goals, what you hope the outcomes to be, but give our audience a sense of what this looks like on the ground for you when you're working with the teachers, the, the kinds of things that you're doing with them to help their job, but also help them help the students. That's a great question. So we, we mentioned earlier that the name of this intervention is self-regulated strategy development. 
And within this intervention or this instructional package, there's a lot of different components. I'll start by talking about sort of the concrete component that has to deal with reading text and writing about it. There's a lot of different mnemonics or uh, keywords that, that teachers often use to help students formulate how they write. And we use one that's called TIDE. And TIDE stands for topic sentence, important details, then the students explain those details, and then they write an ending. So we have this acronym TIDE in a graphic organizer. So if we're reading something, for example, about a famous historical figure like Thurgood Marshall, the teacher will model for the students doing think aloud and demonstrating how to really pull some of the central ideas and important details from that passage put it on a graphic organizer in a way that's brief so the kids don't get too exhausted when they're you know, writing the graphic organizer, and then take those ideas and take those little kernels of ideas from the graphic organizers and put them into full sentences to write about it. Mm-hmm. So we try to really deconstruct this process of pulling important ideas from text and then taking notes on it in a way where we can write a cohesive and interesting paragraph for readers. And, and mm-hmm. the teachers are demonstrating this. And what is a graphic organizer? Okay, I I probably should have went there earlier. A graphic organizer is is essentially a visual display. So the most common graphic organizer that comes to people's minds sometimes is a Venn diagram. So if you think of like a Venn diagram where there's there's the three circles and they're overlapping to show which parts are kind of compared to each other and which parts contrast, that's an example. Another easy example of a graphic organizer is like a T-chart where you have like, let's say I'm gonna think about the pros and cons of moving to a new house or a new apartment. You know, pros on one side, cons on the other. That's a basic graphic organizer. So this is kind of what can sometimes be a helpful tool for for teachers and students to use as a planning guide as they're gonna plan for what they write. So that's kind of the instructional piece, which I think is is very powerful in itself. But, But Allison, you may wanna talk a little bit about sort of the self-regulation side of this intervention and some of these other components that are embedded that that you might see if you walked into a classroom using this? I think I'll add a couple things. The first thing I would say is there's several different stages. So what we try to do or what SRSD takes the students through with teachers, the process of, okay, let's understand what we're going to write about. Let's understand the framework Let's model for the students. The teachers use a think aloud process where they kind of vocalize what's going on in their head so that rather than it kind of takes out the guessing work in a sense so that rather than just expecting students know what you want them to do, we actually go in and model and say, this is what it looks like. This is what you should be doing. And from there, we walk through a lot of our coaching, our instructional coaching comes in and that how do now we've modeled for the for the students, how do we kind of stair step and and scaffold the students so that we can ultimately get them to be able to do this process independently themselves. And so this this vocalized here's what I'm thinking in my head. We talk a lot about how you model those piece elements as you show the writing process to students. The other thing we do a lot of too is kind of validating and verbalizing writing can be hard. A lot of times students may have a negative view of writing. It's hard, they don't wanna do it. And so what we try to do in our modeling is as teacher, where we teach the teachers in their modeling how to use self statements so that the students learn 
when it's hard, I know what to do. Talk, almost like give yourself a pep talk, tell yourself what the strat that you have strategies that can help you. And so we model and kind of validate for students that it can be hard, but remember you have a strategy to help you move through. Before you start writing, take a deep breath. And so I think there's an element there that helps students kind of self-regulate these emotions and these frustrations and trying to shift that thinking so that it's positive and they have confidence in themselves. And then we do finally, there's a couple of other elements I've probably left out in SRSD because there's a lot of parts to it. We also do a lot of goal setting. So we talk to teachers about, okay, what are some maybe class goals that you may want to set, set for the whole class and maybe some individual goals? So we start to look at where, where are they starting out as writers? Where do we want to go next as kind of our next phase, our next step, our next layer of where how we want to prepare them? And as I mentioned, it's kind of you almost stair step and scaffold so that we're not just going from, okay, I showed you how to do this. Now jump and try to do it independently. We want to take almost baby steps along the way so that when they get to the independent piece, they're, they're successful. Yeah, it, it makes, it makes perfect sense to me. And I think the points that you raise, regardless of whether it's in a classroom or just in life in general, you know, taking that step back, giving yourself the pep talk, having the confidence is important for all of us. And if we can emulate in that in the classroom early on with children, hopefully that carries through not only through school, but beyond that. So thank you so much, Dr. Allison Collins, Dr. Stephen Chulo for joining us. This is really interesting stuff, very valuable what you're doing and certainly commend the work that you're doing. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. This was fun. And thank you all for downloading and listening to another episode of Big Ideas. We'll be back next month. Until then, stay well and stay informed. Big Ideas TXST is a presentation of Texas State University. Subscribe to experience more innovative, thought-provoking content. If you like what you hear, consider leaving us a starred review, five if possible. The views expressed during this program are those of the individual participants and do not necessarily represent those of the university. Big Ideas is hosted by Daniel Seed, produced by Jamie Bloschke. Strategic consultant is Kelly Raz.